Welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. I'm your host, John Bernadovich. Thank you so much for listening. Please consider liking, commenting, subscribing, and sharing with a friend. I've embarked on a journey to get to know amazingly awesome HR and business professionals with the hope to find out what it takes to do HR like a boss. On today's show, I am delighted to be joined by Liz Lamping and Catherine Miller. They both work at the Pittsburgh Sherm organization called PHRA. Liz and Catherine, welcome to the HR Like a Boss podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for having us. Great to be here. So for, for those of you that cannot see us, you just listen to the podcast. This is a very special episode. First time I've had two guests on at the same time. So both Liz and Catherine are a, kind of a, a tandem there at PHRA. If you're familiar with that organization in Pittsburgh, if you're not, please check them out. It's a powerhouse in the Sherm community. So and has been le led by Liz for a number of years. And also behind Liz and also Catherine, because they're in an office, but not together, but together. It's kind of it's kind of a weird dynamic if you look online. So go check out the video. There's a there's balloons back there. Liz, what are those balloons for? They're for your 50th episode. We're celebrating. The we 50th are... HR Like a Boss podcast interview <laughs> is amazing. And I'm doing it with people from Pittsburgh. I'm from Cleveland. What in the world's going on? because they're my <laughs> friends. We all love HR and we're super passionate about it. And we're not talking about the Steelers, the Browns or Ben Roethlisberger or Baker Mayfield. It's just HR topics and the viewpoint of Liz and Catherine and all the insight they have in working with such great thought leaders and folks within the HR community within Pittsburgh. So 50th episode, super excited. Couldn't think of two better people to have on the show. Well, thank you. And thank you for having us. Um, before we do jump in, I just had a quick question. Um, when you started your podcast, did you have an idea as to how many episodes you were going to do to help craft your um, HR Like a Boss book? Or were you just going to go run with it? I love it. Liz is asking me questions. She's flipping this around. <laughs> this is what it's all about. That's why I wanted her on the show and why I asked her to be uh, perfectly honest with you, Liz. I had no idea what this was going to turn into. I What actually happened the podcast was created out of doing some interviews of some amazingly awesome HR people that I recorded on Zoom. So I could remember what they said and I didn't forget some of the words and I could quote them in the book. And then my marketing director, Bridget Klein said, that might be a really great idea for a podcast. So we reverse engineered a couple of the episodes to turn them into a podcast. And then from there, we created our very first show, which we had Tim Sackett on, if you know, the HR community and his disruption. Tim's a good friend of mine and he, he kicked off or launched the HR Like a Boss podcast. So I had absolutely no idea. I was surprised we got to 50. I know Bridget and Lizzie on my team made me aware of that. So congratulations for all the listeners for making this a possibility. And we'll, we'll celebrate it throughout today's episode as much as we possibly can. Awesome. Sounds great. So Liz and Catherine, do you mind just for a quick second sharing your role at PHRA? And anything about your background, your, your, your career, your passion for human resources? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm sure the, well, as you mentioned too, uh, the listeners I'm sure are aware of SHRM or their local HR chapters. And I joined uh, the Pittsburgh chapter back in 2000 to help me navigate my uh, first HR position as a recruiter and just quickly fell in love with the profession and wanted to learn more as fast as I possibly could and heard that there was uh, an opening at the local SHRM chapter. So jumped right in and thought it was a 
great way to gain exposure to all facets of HR. And 15 years later, I'm, I'm still here. So <laughs> I guess awesome. you could say I fell in love with the idea of advancing and serving the HR profession. And thank you for your service. I know the chapter has done some amazing things. I've been blessed to be a speaker in the past. And I know we're also uh, talked about a keynote at your September event that uh, I'll be ending the, um, the ending the event with a bang, so to speak, and talking about all things amazingly awesome HR. So Liz, I appreciate the invite to that and super excited for that coming September. When is the date so people can start to hit on your website and get registered for it? Sure. The date is September 27th and uh, 28th. I believe your presentation will be on September 28th. And again, it's just a great way for our members to come and learn more about amazingly awesome HR and all the great things that you can tell us about running HR like a boss. Awesome. All right, Catherine, tell us a little bit about your role at PHRA and what your, how, you, how your career got you to where you are today. Absolutely. That sounds great. Uh, so I, uh, my role at the PHRA, I'm the membership development manager. Um, so I focus a lot uh, with membership recruitment and retention and, and keeping our members um, engaged and uh, helping to create really engaging programs and content for them. Um, I actually was introduced to, to human resources as a concept through undergrad, um, and I got involved uh, with the PHRA by a recommendation from a career development uh, counselor. And somehow that kind of snowballed into an internship with the PHRA and Liz never let me leave. So <laughs> uh, I've been with the PHRA for uh, almost six years now, and it's just been a wonderful ride um, from an internship all the way up till right now. That's awesome. Good for you. Well, Liz, Liz identifies great talent. And when she does, she wants to make sure that she can work with them on a daily basis. So I'm sure you guys are doing some great things and we'll continue to do that. And again, thank you for being on the show and celebrating our, our 50th podcast episode. We're going to get into the questions. And for those of you that are list, common listeners to our show, <clears throat> you know that the very first question is centered around describing the purpose of human resources. And for the sake of today, so I can make sure our audience knows who's speaking, I'm going to ask Catherine to take a first stab at that. And Liz, if you want to add anything, feel free to do so. So what does the purpose of HR mean to you, Catherine? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I think to, to kind of summarize it, um, I think the, the work that the folks in HR do and, and are responsible for is really important. Um, HR is the, the backbone um, of an organization. And I think the purpose of HR is really to acquire, develop, um, guide, and retain the talent within the organization. So success within those responsibilities can really look different uh, between any two HR departments, but the end result really should be a well-oiled and efficient team uh, that is, you know, the driving force behind the organization meeting its business goals and any of its objectives. Um, and I'd also like to add to that, that I think uh, throughout my career, it's been really incredible to witness how uh, the HR leader has evolved and elevated from, I guess, just the people person at the organization and responsible for just day-to-day -day tasks. Um, and it's involved into, they've evolved into more of a strategic partner uh, that they play a pivotal role in achieving business goals and they now have a, a seat at the table. Awesome. Liz, anything from your perspective, 15 years of seeing all those thought leaders that come through as speakers and some of the dynamic executives and members of PHRA, what, what stands out to you? Yeah, I, I think Catherine did a great job there, but I, I would like to add, you know, I, over the years, I've kind of felt like HR is really the heart of every organization. And if HR stops working, everything is eventually um, going to stop. So 
whether it be from the operational side where HR is contributing to the growth through the managing the full employee life cycle to the uh, administrating the benefits and implementing the, the policies to the less quantitative side, um, helping the employees thrive. It's HR's purpose um, to provide all the employees career growth opportunities. And we're all familiar with that saying that um, managers aren't born, managers are created. And it's HR that is doing that training and um, really having that vital role and making sure that um, the environment is, is thriving. Yeah, I literally, I love the heart reference that you gave to human resources, how critical that is as a human being to your body, but as to the organization as a whole, it's, it's the center. It's, it, it's what makes the organization beat. And what I've come to find is when it's done the right way, man, are those businesses healthy and thriving and creative and making money and developing people and doing good things in the community. But when it's not, when that heart is not pumping the right way, Oy vey, is it ugly and it's troublesome for the executives? They're not making money inside. They're not sharing. They're not building value for their shareholders. Their employees are leaving. It's just I've seen both sides, and that's the reason why I wrote the book because there's a formula for doing it really well, and there's a formula for not. And it seems pretty simple, but at times people get stuck in old ways or old habits, especially when it's not done the right way. And I think you both were spot on. I really thought the backbone and the heart, right? These are these are these are really unique, unique anatomy references we're making for human resources, all all tying together to to give us this purpose of HR. So, all right. So, Liz, we'll go kind of round the horn now on this next topic, which I know you probably are seeing this quite a bit as you're putting together all of your events and the topics that your 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 um, the folks that are members at PHRA, what do they want to hear about? What are the what are the trending HR topics that are most important to your members? Yeah, thank you. And that's a, a really great question. And it's it's kind of hard to pinpoint just one trend because there really is so much going on um, right now in the profession. And um, I guess I, I feel everyone could agree that over the uh, two plus years, it's it's been tumultuous for um, HR departments around the world and companies and HR teams have been faced with really unique challenges, such as um, shifting to remote and hybrid working models and creating new compliance and regulatory issues. And all of this needing to be done overnight has um, brought on increased burnout, mental health issues, the great resignation, and just figuring out how to attract and retain um, talent. So all that being said, I would say in Pittsburgh right now, the trend that's front and center on our members' minds is um, innovative and diverse recruitment strategies. Um, since hiring is picking up again and, and companies are, are struggling to fill these positions, the, the war for talent in Pittsburgh is, is going to continue to grow and intensify. Um, we're starting to see that members are, are the traditional recruitment methods are just now um, ineffective and we need to broaden, companies need to broaden their horizons when they're finding the talent and, and defining the talent that they want. Um, I'll, I'll never forget. I was watching uh, TV about a week or so ago, and my wife asked me, "Why in the world is that company advertising on the television to recruit talent?" She had never seen an ad before on TV for recruiting, right? And now it's pretty prevalent. They were spending millions of dollars to try to attract talent through TV ad spend. You'd never seen that before. 
No, and, and that just goes to the point that recruiters really need to think outside of the box and, and companies as well when it comes to capturing top talent and, and standing out against the competition and caught your wife's attention and I'm sure it caught many others too. Yeah. Catherine, you seen anything from your members as well or just the companies you're talking with? Yeah, of course. Um, so I think we are kind of in a unique position um, because our membership is directly sharing with us their experiences what, and what they're seeing. Uh, so we're hearing about the trend straight from the mouths of the practitioners themselves. Um, so like Liz had said, the verse recruiting strategies are definitely at the forefront um, of their minds. But just to kind of stem off of that a little bit, um, another trend that we're seeing um, is the employer's focus shifting more from just diversity and inclusion within the workspace uh, to including equity uh, and including that piece um, within their driving goals and, and their values. Um, so the equitable piece is really key to a successful organization and making that a focus really opens up the door for transparent conversations and the resulting actions on things like pay inequities or inequities within hiring, overall representation, things like that. And um, within the last probably six months, I'm hearing more about um, belonging, adding into the diversity, equity, and inclusion piece. Um, so the belonging piece is really centered around like the human and employee experience of feeling respected and valued for their true authentic self. Um, and according to Sherm, the need to belong in the workplace is second only to the need to belong at home. So it's really interesting to see that play out now. Um, and, and belonging in the workplace can take form in many different ways, like establishing employee resource groups or mentorship programs, or even the onboarding process, including information that represents and all kinds of different identities. So that's been um, something that we've noticed a lot as well. Yeah, no, that's interesting. You think about kind of the word transformation, there's a general transformation that's going on. We talk about you know, DEIB, right, and the ability to make someone feel safe, comfortable, and a fair workplace environment. At the end of the day, like one of the main reasons why I wrote the book and I have the podcast is that we spend so much time working. And, you know, if you're miserable at work, or you don't feel like you belong, or you think someone else is getting ahead of you because of some various reason, you're not going to be happy. And that's a terrible way to spend 90,000 hours of your life unhappy in your job. And I think HR has the best chance to change that, to dictate policies and structure and strategies around, well, how do we make sure everybody feels that they have a place within this organization, they understand their role, and when they do their job, these good things happen, and then that feels good in the community, to our shareholders, to employees, the whole the whole nine. So it's it's really inspiring to hear those topics that you're talking about. And obviously, recruiting is, it, man, it, 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 I, I've, I've heard that's, a, that's an issue through 2030. Can you believe that? They're talking about what's happening right now with the supply and demand issue with recruiting to last through 2030. I've not heard a trend in HR that they anticipate lasting that long. That'd be nine years if we got to that point. Can you believe that? No. I, I mean, yes, I can. Um, it, I'd like to point out one of the common um, misconceptions that we have heard here within our membership regarding the um, labor shortage and that willing workers are just not willing to, they're unwilling to work. And that is not true. That's couldn't be farther from the truth from what we're hearing. It, it's just basically everything that was just said. I mean, the reality is people are, are unwilling to settle for, for mistreatment and um, the companies need to take more of a proactive approach to support and advocating for their employees and um, just redefining the workplace along with their recruiting efforts and making sure those recruiting efforts 
look like the way they want to attract and, and retain those top talent to um, really just, again, highlight the people aspect of, of their organizations and how they can support them. You sharing that reminds me of wisdom my dad gave me and said, the market is never wrong. And as a young kid, I had no idea what did that mean? The market was never wrong. But like the marketplace, the, currently, I think the challenge is that most employers or people that were in a position of power employers are used to having your hand. They're used to having the chance to make a job offer or get 50, 50 candidates for one job. And now it's flip-flop. It's yep. really in the hand of the candidate and the employee. And I think a lot of employers struggle with that mightily. And if, you, if you're struggling to, to acquire top talent within your organization, my guess is look within, not to the candidate pool, to Liz's point. Most people do want to work. They are inspired to, to do good work. And it's not that they want to all collect unemployment. There, of course, there's a, there's a small segment of the community that wants right. to do that. But creating that large you know, kind of swath cloth over all that is not really fair. And I, I think it's important for employers to look within, take ownership of what we're doing every day to try to have an employer choice, to have a great culture, to be purposeful, to put our employees first so that we can attract talent. And it, 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 it's gonna be even hard, even if you do all those things right with the dynamic of a supply and demand issue. Right. All right, so maybe we'll, we'll go back to Catherine on this one if it's okay. And we'll start with this transformation, this idea of true transformation, I think, if we talk about recruiting or you talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, et cetera, there's a transformation going on. Have you heard or seen or had one of your members share an experience of where true transformation did take place? I think that word is thrown around probably too much. It's kind of like the goat in sports, like all too many goats. You can only have one greatest of all time. Like you can't have 15 goats. It's like one experience that you can tell that is, is transformation truly something that you've seen and, and maybe our, our listeners can learn from that experience. Yeah. So John, I'm actually going to pass the ball uh, to Liz because Liz and I were just talking about this and she has just a, a phenomenal outlook on this. And I really want to turn this over to her and put the spotlight on Liz for this question. Well, thank you, Catherine. Um, well, they literally, so they literally pass the mic to each other. If you can't see it, there's a mic. They just literally, that's the passing of the mic on a virtual podcast. It just happened. I can't wait, Liz. Tell me, tell me what the deal is. Well, you know, I mean, I really feel um, the PHRA has been very fortunate to have uh, leaders at the helm of our association that have been extremely transformational. So our leadership is, isn't afraid of change and, and we embrace it. And when COVID hit, we knew overnight that our whole business model had to change and we really didn't have any time to overthink how we were going to do it. We just needed to do it. Um, and we quickly began using, I'm not sure um, how many of the listeners are, are familiar with Cool and Powell's um, 4070 rule for taking action. Um, and if we had 40% on board with the changes, we were ready to make a move. And if we waited for 70% approval, we waited too long. So it really helped, help, helped us to make some quick decisions and kind of transform um, our association. Our uh, leadership didn't panic. Uh, we kept focus. and. Again, the presidents all at the helm were transformational in the sense that they pulled everyone in, spread ownership um, across all of our committees, our board, our volunteers, uh, pulled everyone in to make those important decisions. And we used um, innovation to creatively solve the problems of the day and those that we were anticipating coming down uh, the pike. Um, I mean, our leadership, for those that are familiar with chapters, ours changes yearly. So we're now 
working with our third leader through the pandemic. So just want to do a shout out to Peter Gabriel, Lisa Petro, um, and Lenore Seifer. They are, have all been transformational leaders within their roles here and have been approachable to members so that um, members feel comfortable communicating their thoughts and ideas. And this openness um, with our members has really led and continues to lead to, to innovation within our chapter. They've built a, a leadership um, network of, of trust, um, an environment that's open, collaboration, creativity, all the things that a leader that is running HR like a boss needs. So um, I would say the PHRA is a true example living through this COVID pre and post now, hopefully more moving towards the post have been transformational to keep our members um, continue to advance and serve the profession. Catherine, you, you threw that softball right up to Liz and she just hit a grand slam. That was one of the best answers I've ever heard on this podcast in, my, in, in the 50 episodes. No offense to the other 49. Well, I guess 50 guests now that we got two on the same show. I, you, made, you, made, you made me think like 4070. That is so profound because as a leader, if you want to get consensus, you're going to never get it. Because right. it's, if, if you're making transformational change, people are not used to that type of change and they're going to want to stay comfortable with yep. where I am. So if you get that 40%, that makes, I, I'm going to use that for the rest of my life, Liz. Thank you so much <laughs> for sharing that. I feel if there's a book that Colin Powell wrote that that has that reference in there, I want to read it because I'm coming to find as the leader of our firm and as, you know, hopefully a thought leader when it comes to this amazingly awesome HR and trying to create this transformation of, of, you know, there's only one way to do HR and that's really great. And that with the seat at the table and aligned with your executive team and driving results for your people, but you're not going to, everyone's not going to agree. They're not going to agree, especially when you're making change, when something's different, they're just going to be so used to what it was before. And that 40%, I'm, I'm going to stick with that in my mind. I'll probably count that the next time I'm in a meeting, how many people are on board. <laughs> All right, we're going. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. We'll do that. <laughs> Well, hey, let me take a quick minute to do a shameless plug to uh, my organization, Willery. As, as I know, both of you know, uh, Willery is a huge supporter of the HR Like a Boss podcast. We have great resources behind us with uh, Lizzie, uh, Gavin, and Bridget Klein, who are behind the scenes leaders of putting on these this podcasts and promoting them. And for those of you that don't know who Willery, Willery's purpose is to empower people and is focused on supporting mid-sized companies with their search and staff augmentation services, along with a unique client-side HR technology consulting practice. So if you are struggling to find talent in your HR payroll department, wow, isn't that timely, and or you're looking for a way to get a better return on your HR technology, please visit willery.com. All right, well, one of the pillars of doing HR Like a Boss and at the foundation of the, of the book is this thing I call ownership, true ownership of what it is that you do every single day. And I'm curious, I'll let you guys pick who wants to answer this one first, because I think I set that up the wrong time. I asked the, the question on the, on the transformation. What does ownership mean to you in the field of HR? You know, I could start and I'll, then I'll throw it over to Catherine, if that works for you, Catherine. Sounds good. I'll be ready to catch. All right, great. <laughs> I, think it's, I think that this question is a great tie-in to the transactional leadership. And um, a transactional leader really does a great job of, of spreading ownership across the organization. So my definition of ownership would be um, being accountable and, and driving um, something to completion. So someone with a strong sense of ownership would say, I need to do this task. I can do it. 
and I therefore own the responsibility uh, for achieving success and completion. Um, it's not taking, it does not mean doing all the work um, and it does not mean escalating the issues um, to superiors is off limits, but it, it does mean being proactive in your role and understanding your purpose, your job duties and achieve and helping you to achieve the larger company goals. Um, as I mentioned, I think at PHRA, the, the volunteers take ownership of all the great initiatives and programs and um, because they're passionate about seeing our profession go. So I feel passion and ownership go hand in hand for success. And I'll flip it to Catherine. <laughs> Did you read the book, Liz? No, I didn't. Because <laughs> <laughs> love and ownership are the two pillars of doing nature like a boss. You got to be passionate for this stuff. You got to love it because yes, sometimes I mean. it sucks. Sometimes people do really stupid things and you're dealing <laughs> in the muck of someone. I don't even want to give an example because it's, I'm sure people are think of the worst example of a stupid thing an employee did. And I'm sure all of you can imagine I'll something. Say, yes. You got to be passionate <laughs> about it. And then you got to run toward that. I got to own the fact that this is in my lap. I didn't do this. I didn't do this stupid mm. thing the employee did, but I got to take care of it because that's part of my job. Right. That to me is, is a true boss in my opinion. So Catherine, sorry, I, I took away your thunder. No, that's quite all right. Um, she and Liz answered that question phenomenally. And I, I agree wholeheartedly with everything she had said. Um, we're both so proud of our volunteers and for their creativity and their passion. They really are the driving force behind all of the initiatives that we offer at the PHRA. Um, but to add on to that just a little bit, I think and feel that taking ownership of HR can also really be uh, synonymous with being adaptable um, in that trends within the work environment constantly change, employee needs change, um, and it's really important that HR is able to stay current and responsive to those needs and changes rather than just remaining stagnant and kind of going with the flow. Um, so, I mean, HR is constantly evolving and, and it's not the same that it was 10 years ago, five years, or even last year for that matter. Um, so an HR leader's ability or inability to flex and be adaptable will honestly directly reflect the success within the HR department and the business as a whole and whether or not the goals are achieved. Yeah. To me, and I hate to use this word on this show, but it means so much to me personally, uh, having gone through and um, have family members that battled through cancer and fighting for their life and, and losing their life to it. Complacency to me is the definition of business cancer. It is if you are complacent in what you do or your business becomes complacent, then all of a sudden you're going to get passed by and who you were or thought you were before is not the same and the world will pass you, right? And you have to be incredibly con cognizant of the fact that things are always changing. And if you're not adapting to, like you said, Catherine, you're going to get passed by. And maybe that might be okay at the stage of your life that you're in. Uh, but to me, I always fight complacency. I always fight it. I do not, I do not want to sit and just let things pass me by. I try to keep current with all the TikTok and the memes and everything else. So when I talk to my kids who are 14 and 12, I have a clue of what's going on. I don't need to be like, TikToking, or if that even is a word, but I have to understand what it is. So I'm not clueless to the idea. And I think your adaptability from an HR perspective makes a ton of sense. All right, Liz, I'm going to get you out of here on this last question. Catherine, you can follow up with it. I always end the show with how do you, how would you describe someone that does HR like a boss? Well, I guess I would go back to the purpose of an HR professional, and um, that really is to ensure the company's most important asset, its people, 
um, are being nurtured and supported to create that positive work environment, but ultimately supporting the company's mission and understanding the bottom line and how all the departments work together. Um, HR professionals always, but, but especially today, I feel is being the company's moral conscience. Um, I know leaders in major companies who are, are willing to step up and challenge their organizations to act in alignment with their values and their mission. And I strongly feel that if you're acting as your company's moral conscience, you're, you're running HR like a boss. Awesome. How about you, Catherine? Yeah. Uh, so I think that the type of person Liz just described is, to me, is someone who's I guess when I think about traits that that make up a person like this, it's somebody who's adaptable, which is my word of the day today, uh, <laughs> flexible, uh, somebody who's courageous, resilient, uh, they're curious, always wanting to learn um, and grow, they're compassionate, and they have integrity, um, they're a good active listener, which is important, a great communicator, um, and they wear these qualities like hats, like I envision them stacked on top of one another um, day in and day out, because to me, together, those qualities make a remarkable leader. Um, and overall, I think their workplace and the organizational culture is better because of that person. Um, and to me, that's somebody who does HR like a boss. Yeah, no, I love that. Yeah, I'll recap a few of the things that you said. A lot of profound moments on the 50th episode. Couldn't have thought of two better guests to show up and provide their wisdom and insight. You, you guys are definitely amazingly awesome. And I, I really appreciate you being on the show. We talked a lot about accountability and I know Catherine's word of the day of adaptability from an HR leader perspective. You made me think of this like purpose-driven people. We want purpose-driven people within our organization living by our core values and the HR leader and HR organization is, is the keeper of that and making sure that we're we're exemplifying those behaviors, we're training them up, and we're recognizing them when they really exceed. The, the moment of the show was the 4070 Colin Powell, Liz Lamp, Lamping reference, like that one is going to stick with me for a really long time. I am so glad I, I do the HR Like a Boss podcast so I can cheat from people on great ideas. So Liz, thank you so much for that profound wisdom. This idea of it's the dynamicness of what's going on in our, or, our organizations and with HR is we've got to be innovative and diverse when it comes to recruiting. We've got to think of new ideas so we can attract the right type of talent within our organization. I'm sure PHRA will have a bunch of content and presenters that will help you do that over the next year plus. And then looking at the anatomy of an organization, the backbone, the heart, that's who HR is. And the one thing I know that you said in the beginning was the ability to guide talent. That word guide stuck out to me. It's not necessarily the job of HR to do the work. It's there to guide them and direct them and provide counsel and support. So what an amazing show. My marketing department is going to be so excited. We're going to promote the heck out of this one. Hopefully your, your members will enjoy it too, Liz and Catherine, to showcase two wonderful leaders that are driving such innovative change into the Pittsburgh HR community. Thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. And I just want to add, we are extremely excited to have you as a keynote for this year's annual conference. Um, again, so our members can learn more about amazingly awesome HR and, you know, the kind of HR that wows colleagues and executives and makes a positive impact on employees. We're really looking forward to that presentation. No pressure, but I'll make it happen. <laughs> we'll have fun. 
we'll, we'll, we'll leave we'll leave that event with a smile on our face and we'll get people standing up having fun if you know how I present maybe maybe I'm not the smartest guy in the world but we'll bring some enthusiasm and make sure that we relate the stories back to meaningful things that they can do uh, the day they get back to work so thank you so much for to both of you for being on today's episode I really appreciate it thank you for having us thanks Thank you for checking out the HR Like a Boss podcast. If it resonates with you, please consider leaving a rating or review. And better yet, subscribe and share with a friend. Until next time, let's continue to aspire to do amazingly awesome HR.